tonight we're going to be talking about the root, overcoming the root of rejection. And if you're from New Jersey, it would be root. Did I do that right? The root. Who's, who says root? I've heard root from someplace. Root, root, route, root. I'm trying to make all the Yankees in here feel good, and y'all aren't helping me. No, that's not Southern. I was a rooting for that game. You know, when I got, when I got born again, Lisa's, Lisa takes credit for teaching me English. She says, I had to teach you to speak English. And she actually did. She actually, we had some conversations while we were dating. She kept asking me, what does that word mean you just said? And so anyway, tonight I want to talk about the root of rejection because every one of us in this room have dealt with rejection. I'm going to tell you that I have, and I'm going to tell you how I got over it. I'd like to believe I'm over it, but I started when it was Easter, and I, and I read something about Jesus, and it really got me to thinking so much so I started taking a lot of notes, and I thought, well, I might as well preach this. Because I got all these notes. But in Isaiah 53, let's, it's, it's talking about Jesus versus, well, let's read verse 1. Who has believed our report? And whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, that's Jesus, will grow up before him as a tender plant, a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. When we see him, there is no beauty that we would desire him. He was not a handsome man that you would go, that got to be the Son of God. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Jesus got to taste what it was like to live in the world and to be constantly despised and rejected. And, and, and that's good news for you and I, because if the world would reject a perfect man, do you think they will reject imperfect people? Yes. Every one of us have dealt with rejection. I have. And I'm going to tell you because we, we were designed by God to be loved. All of us were. When someone who says they love us turns around and rejects us as a person, it is not easy to handle. It's just rejection is not an easy thing to handle. The world deals with it. The church deals with it. I have dealt with it. And very often, we don't even know what to do about it because we, we realize that it's there. And uh, when it happens to us, we try everything to be tough. We're not always tough. So is there a way to handle rejection? It says Jesus was rejected. Um, look in Ephesians chapter 1. When people are trying to prove their worth by climbing the ladder of success, job promotions, bigger car, house, making money, they're doing that to be accepted. The culture today, when you see kids with all the earrings and the green hair and all that, they're looking for acceptance. We have a whole generation of people, because we took the Bible and said that there is no God, we all came from monkeys, then there is no right or wrong, then apparently no, then, then kids are growing up today and people who don't know who they are. And we hear people saying, I don't know who I am. And they, start, they get into an identity crisis because they don't know who they are. They don't, they don't know where they fit. They don't know why they're here. And then we go through stuff where we live in the world. If Jesus was rejected, if Jesus felt rejection from people, than we do. And very often, um, we don't handle that real well. We carry that through life, and it begins to affect all of our relationships that we get around because we, try, we put up little walls and go, well, you're, that's never going to happen to me again. And, and then we start doing things, and we don't realize that we're creating the problem. People don't like us, and we're creating it because we don't want to be rejected anymore. All right. So 
Is there an answer? All right, let, let me go over a couple of these first before we get into Ephesians. So what happens is, is that very often, because people treat us bad, most of the time when people are treating you bad, it's because they have a problem. That's, that's, we can say it, but the truth is it's hard to believe that. Um, but when we feel rejection, the very first thing that starts happening to us is we start going, what's wrong with me? Now, I'm going to tell a story. When, when, my, when I was a boy growing up, my mom and dad, my dad was a Marine Corps pilot, and he spent 20 years overseas in the Marines, uh, in the Pacific Arena and, and Korea. That means as a, as a Marine pilot, he stayed gone a lot. And um, all of us babies were born nine months after Christmas or New Year's. That kinda, <laughs> that's kind of like Marine kids were born, you know. Um, that's why September so you know how you just do the math and you can figure I was a New Year's baby. Um, but but my, my mom and dad got a divorce when I was in second grade because Marines drank a lot. I don't have a problem. I never grew up with a bitterness toward my dad. I really never did. I know people do, but I was like, well, you know, it was almost a blessing. But where I had a problem was school. Because I was the only boy in my class who came from a divorced family. And oh my God, did the, did the teacher pick on me. And, and just literally treated me like I was stupid. And I, I stood up in class one day. She said, Daryl, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I'd like to be a doctor. She said, well, I'll sure as blank won't come to see you. You'll probably kill me. And I'm like, thank you. You just called me stupid. But, you know, because my mom and dad moved from Dorville to Athens and, and, and I had a hard time acclimating into a new school, I was just quiet. That didn't mean I was stupid. It just means I was quiet. So after a few instances of being ridiculed publicly, publicly by teachers, I just made a vow. I'll just never talk. She'd call on me there and I'd go, I ain't, talk. I ain't talking to you. Because I can't stand anymore. See, once she went to doing it, well, then all the kids. So you will walk up to your Valentine bags, and there's nothing in yours. You know, you're going down through there, hey, we love you, we love you. I'm empty, you know. And you're thinking, is there something wrong with me? And so I kind of grew up that way. So that caused me to just spend all of my life out in the woods hunting and fishing. I thought, well... Well, I got a dog. He likes me. And so you can see how at, at no, I, I didn't have a, I didn't cause that. But yet I grew up with this idea that because my, and my dad rarely ever sent the money to my mother. So we grew up very poor, which means that most of the time I didn't have lunch at school. I just sat and watched kids eat. And they gave me food off their plates. Now, I didn't go home and tell my mother because she would get mad. And the school called her and told her, and she got mad at them and cussed them out. So I just went hungry. But you grow up thinking, what's, what's with me? Why am, I, why am I the odd kid out? And then kids think it's okay to pick on him because the teacher does it. So when I got old enough, I took karate. Because you ain't picking on me, I'll whoop your tail. And so that's why I did what I did. And that's why I think I turned out the way that I did. I mean, I just grew up, and when I got to my teenage years, I just smoked dope, drank beer, fought like crazy, and raised holy hell until I got saved. And, and all of that was, was stemming from rejection. Are you all out there? Did you go home? All right. Well, even though I'm born again, then I go through a period of my life where my first wife decides I'm not worth being married to. Now, I took it personal. There's got to be something wrong with me. Are you all out there? It was very, very difficult, and that's what I'm going to teach you tonight, is how God took the Word of God and started helping me overcome 
what it feels like to be rejected. Where you always are trying to prove you're not stupid. Are you all out there? Did you go home? Let me ask you a question. Am I the only one in here that ever grew up with a, is there, what is wrong with me? Okay. I really believe that almost everybody, because when I read this, Jesus went through it. And that's what caused me to go, well, wait a minute. There wasn't anything wrong with him. If he went through it, then it's got to be the other guy that's the problem. Now, the other issue is when you go through a marriage problem, listen to me carefully. Your spouse is going to tell you the reason they can't stand to be around you and how bad you are. Thank you. I got three amens, a grunt, and you know. Now, the problem is, is because you started out in love, having someone you opened your heart to trash you is got to be the most difficult thing a human being will go through. So that's what it means when it says Jesus on the cross. He was despised and rejected of men. Because you think about the fact he just got through healing them, blessing them, and helping them. And yet they nailed him to a cross. Now understand something. That's the world we live in. Now if they're going to do that to Jesus, I got good news for you. They're going to do it to you. Now I'm going to tell you another story now. I had not opened my scriptures yet, but listen to me. When I first started pastoring, I really had a hard time with church people. I did because I didn't understand why the people in the church kept attacking me. You know, the pastor before me ran off with a considerable amount of money. And so one lady looked at me in the foyer and says, you're going to keep your blankety-blank hands off our blankety-blank money, you blankety-blank. And I'm thinking, I didn't steal your money. And, I, and yet, yet people can be ugly. And, and so I didn't take it out on her. I just took it out on the whole church. <laughs> and um, I found out that the more you try to defend yourself, the worse you're going to make it. Um, and that's true across the board. And so I had a time... Where I, where I didn't understand that I was excited about Jesus, but I was preaching to people who are lukewarm, and it's bothering them. And I didn't know. I'm, I, really, I really thought, I was so naive when I left Raymond. I thought everybody's going to be excited about this. And I got up and preached, and they just let me know real quick, you sorry, good-for-nothing dog. And I went in the board meeting. They had a meeting in there and, and fought for an hour to, whether, to get me a bookcase to put my books in. And I, and I thought, what, what did I do wrong that caused this? Well, again, that's rejection. But it isn't really personal. What, what I learned is that people have a problem. And they usually take it out on everybody around them. And if you don't know that, then you're going to spend your life being mad. Am I doing okay? I'm doing pretty good so far. So having said that, first wife, you know, you almost don't want to get married a second time. You know, men today, they'd rather stay single. Because they're thinking, I went, listen, the first, my first divorce, she took everything. And, and I'm not. Marrying another one. I mean, because as many lonely 40-year-old women, you, you can have a never, different woman every week. <laughs> Just ain't going to marry none of them. And I'm talking world now. I'm not talking Christian. But this is why, this is why we have a problem with people living together because they just, they're, they're literally afraid to make a commitment with any other human being again. Now, before I get going, let me make a statement. The hardest, the hardest rejection you'll ever go through is a friend. Somebody you've poured your life into that you've helped them. And, buddy, when they slit your throat and walk, it is tough. So you start building these little walls up, and, um, and, and you have all kinds of issues. Now, there's a difference, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Go to Ephesians. 
Well, go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read something to you. But um, this, is, this is the way we start acting when we have been rejected. We lose self-confidence. We become angry. We become hostile at times. We become controlling. We become judgmental. We get a chip on our shoulder. And then we have a self-pity. If I'd had the advantage you had when you grow up, I wouldn't be in this trouble. That's a pity party. And the reason I know that is I went through it. I'm going to tell you a story. My pity party with God. When we were in the shopping center, um, we finally got that church up to where it was a decent size bunch of folks. Good meetings, people getting saved, stuff. And, um, and another pastor, which we shouldn't mention his name, moved in next door. Had Joyce Myers in. Next Sunday I came, we had 80 people. Three quarters of the church went next door. I was ticked. I have worked my tail off. And then that knucklehead says he's going to run my backside out of town. Well, I went over and had a talk with him. In love. And he said, I didn't know you were Ramograd. And I said, what would that matter? I went to God and I said, he's your son. I will ask you a favor. Get him out of this city. I did. And God did. Now, you might want to watch. You might mess with the little guy that has him. Can get to hold of God and get you moved. Now, now here's my pity party. I pull out of the parking lot, and I start complaining. I said, God, if I had a band, a really good band, if I had, you know, this guy was trained by a big dog in America so that, you know, whenever everybody hears the big dogs coming to town, but I'm a puppy. <laughs> you understand this whole you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a puppy, and this the big dog, and um, and I and I actually could have gotten bitter, but I but I chose not to. So I'm pulling out of the parking lot. I said, God, this is not fair. Have y'all ever prayed this isn't fair? Okay, I just thought maybe I was in the wrong place. He says, Let me ask you a question. Now, when he asked me a question. I learned a long time ago, he's not asking me because he wants to know something. <laughs> he's being respectful because he thinks I need to know something. And he asked me this question. He said, let me ask you this. Because I'm thinking about he has a nicer church. He has more money. He has a bigger band. I mean, he has everything, and I don't have any of that stuff. So, therefore, I've, you know, I'm sucking my thumb. I'm having a big, big time. And the Lord said this to me. He said, what do you think heaven's like? I said, well, I think it's pretty nice. He said, how about the band? I said, oh, yeah, good band. He said, do you think it's nice? I said, ooh, really nice, pretty place. He said, I lost a third of the angels one day. He said, what did I do wrong? I said, no, sir, you didn't do nothing wrong. He said, okay, thank you. He said, let me ask you another question. This is one of those, he thinks I need to know something. He said, in the garden, think the garden was nice? I said, yeah, nice. You know, fruit trees, birds, nice place. He said, I lost everything. They even asked me to leave. He said, I'm the odd man out. I lost my whole creation that day to a fallen angel. What did I do wrong? I said, sir, you did no wrong. He said, I have another question for you. He said, when I rose from the dead, I told 500 people to meet me in Jerusalem. He said, only 120 obeyed me and showed up. He says, that was quite a demonstration of the Holy Ghost to float away. I've never done that before. Watch me tonight as I float home. Come back next Sunday. Okay. He said, what did I do wrong? I said, sir, you did no wrong. He says, let me tell you something. You're not going to beat my record. 
He said, they don't listen to me either, and I'm God. They certainly aren't going to listen to you, and you're not going to do better than me because you are imperfect. But what he was telling me was, I've always been hard on myself. Now, I'm going to make a statement here because I always felt like I had to prove something. Have any of y'all ever been through that? You felt like, well, I'm going to prove I'm not so daggum stupid. So, you, you know, I've done a lot of things in life because, of, you know, just I'm going to show you. And I think a lot of people do that because we want acceptance. All right, now listen. You may and you may not get it from people. If you're looking for it in people, you will be disappointed. All right, are you all ready for this first scripture? Ephesians 1, 6, and I found this one day. And this is what I meant Sunday when I was talking to you. And I said, you've got to masticate the word. You have got to get this Bible in you. There are scriptures you, that because if you don't get them in you, um, that you're just going to lose them. So uh, one six, but let's read one four, uh, Ephesians one four. Just as he chose us in him, where did he get you? He did what to you? He chose you. Now let me stop here. Did he choose Jesus? Three yes. Anybody else? Did he choose Jesus? Is Jesus important? Now, Jesus was born on a very specific time for a very specific reason. He's a very specific person, so we know he's important. But we just got through reason that reading that he also chose you. You and I were not born by accident. We're going to read another scripture here in a minute. But if, if Jesus is such a big dog that God would choose him, there are other people on the planet that are so important to God that he actually picked the day you would be born. Chose you, anointed you, and called you. And he just told you that. Now look at what he says. He chose you before the foundation of the world. That means before Adam and Eve, before a problem, you came up in front of him and he said, I choose them. To be born in a time, I have a very specific job for that person to do. And you were handpicked by God before you ever did anything good or bad. You've been chosen. Now, what I'm showing you is, is to, I'm showing you how to battle the I have not been accepted, I have been rejected. Because this is how Jesus overcame the world rejecting him. He was chosen by God. If God chooses you, it doesn't really matter what everybody else says. Now, let's tell a little bit about myself. Because of my rejection mentality... After I got born again, I found out that my name, Daryl George Morgan, I was named George after my grandfather, George Henry Fyrer, and my grandfather was the professor of horticulture at the University of Georgia. My name, Daryl, means highly esteemed sower of seeds, seed and fisher of seas. And I was born on Yom Kippur. And God said that to me because he knew I needed to know that I'm no accident by a Marine Corps guy who accidentally had sex with my mother when he came home from Korea. I was picked to be in this place at this time. That means that if somebody else with a bigger church wants to run my out of town, you don't know who you're messing with because I've been chosen. In other words, I'm trying to show you that if God likes you, Yay. And this is the only way I know to overcome this spirit. All right, y'all ready? Because we're just now getting started. 
You have been chosen. Now, see, this is how I, 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 I read this over and over and over and over to myself. This is what confession really is. I don't read this for your sake. I don't read this to get a sermon, but I will read this over and over and over for me. Because the world is mean. And somebody's got to like me. Sometimes I have found out I don't like me. How are you going to love others as you love yourself when you don't even like yourself? That might be why you're not loving it. The reason I love you like I do, I'm loving you the way I love me. I hate me and I hate you too. Now, what, 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 the reason we do that is that we start noticing the gifts that we don't have. We don't pay attention to the ones we have. We just pay attention to the ones we don't have because I know I can't sing. Lisa told me. You sing in the shower? Other than that, please don't come out. And if I'm on a mic, she has strict orders. Turn him off. Because he's going to sing the wrong words. He's going to sing the wrong notes. And he's so loud. He's going to get the whole church messed up. Now, I'm going to tell you all some stuff. I have been made fun of because of my voice. To the place that I actually despised the fact that I'm so darn loud. You have no idea what it's like to be talking to someone in a restaurant and someone come from the other side and say, boy, I really enjoyed your conversation. (laughs) It's embarrassing as all get out. Oh, you're sitting in a camp meeting and John Osteen says, preach it. And I say, preach it, brother. And he goes, I'm trying to. And everybody in the whole 10,000 people are listening to this man talk to me because I said, preach it. And so I've actually worked on trying to calm it down. It didn't do any good. It just didn't do any good. And I finally just said, well, it must be a gift. Because you'd be surprised how many people will I'll be walk in a room and they'll say, Pastor, we need you to pray. You're the only one everybody will hear. <laughs> and then my wife will say, whisper. And I said, I am. She goes, that's not whispering. That is whispering. I'm whispering. <laughs> but actually, actually, there's things about my personality that I don't like. I don't like being a double D. I wish I was nicer. But Lisa will joke around and say, general. And, I, and you know what I think? Well, babe, by God, maybe I should have been. I think I'd have made it. You know, I just. <laughs> we had a lady the other day. She made a statement to me. She said, Pastor Morgan, you scared me. And I said, why do I scare you? She said, I don't know what you're going to say. You have, you have no idea. I work on being diplomatic. I do. It is laborious as all get out from me to try to think about how to say something right. <laughs> I always thought I would just tell you the truth. <laughs> Are y'all okay? All right. Let's finish this. He chose me in him before the foundation of the world that I would be holy and without blame before him in love. He predestined me to the adoption of a son by Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory and grace that he made me accepted in the beloved. That's powerful scripture, guys. If God likes you, then you don't have any problems. And that's, and I'm trying to show you how to handle this because you're not going to, you're not going to change. Mean people are going to be mean to you. And, And you understand that once you understand that God has accepted you and the other side of the coin is that you are imperfect and, and other people want to blow out your candle, hoping to make theirs brighter. So they're going to bring up your faults. To you, and you're going to go away thinking, I mean, I, I, what, what's wrong with me? 
Well, maybe nothing. Maybe, maybe nothing. Now, but the attitude is, is God accepts us because our heart's right, not our performance is right. And many of us get on a perfectionist treadmill trying to make everything perfect so that no one will reject us. Now, I'm going to tell you what happens when you become better than someone else. They hate you. And then this is what happens if you're worse than them. They despise you. Yeah, do you understand this? And, and, and so, you know, whenever you go to um, preacher, I mean, I mean, meetings with preachers, every preacher will ask you how your church is doing. This is what they want to know. Are you bigger than me? Or am I bigger than you? Because they're going to stack up whether they're smarter than you or not. And that, that's just a wrong question. You don't know anything about me and the size of my church. Maybe, maybe you guys are the Navy SEALs and maybe we're not supposed to be big. There's things that God has done with me that I don't tell you. But I, you know, I hear this at night. Daryl, I need you to go do something for me. And, and, and I'll go to a foreign country and do something for God and come home. And I'm still a peon. Well, not really. A, a real peon has 80 people in the church. They don't know what to do with the people who have 300. We're kind of like not peons or not awesome. But then we're not Joel Osteen and we're not, you know, how big, how big's your church? Well, I tell them now, well, I'm running around 50,000. That's the number of people in a popka. I'm not lying. I just, have, I don't have them in church yet, but that's the people that I've decided Because the question is set up for them to decide whether they're smarter than I am or not. You don't know what I've been through. Listen, we don't know what you've been through. You, you, might, you might be have a little business and you might be very, very, very smart. But you, you had a business associate who took you to the cleaners and cleaned your clock. And you might be a millionaire with no money. You cannot judge a person by their money, their car, or their status. You can't judge yourself by that. Because Kenneth Copeland was little at one time, but he was still Kenneth Copeland. So I tell people, I'm Kenneth Copeland. I just hadn't arrived yet. Because I got tired of the, of the comparisons. And the problem is, is we all want to do it. How did I do compared to you? That's why when I go shoot guns, I say, I'm not shooting against you. I shoot against myself. But when I started winning, there were people there that stopped talking to me. I thought, well, there you go. And then there were people following me around like a dog, won't know what I'm doing. Until I lost a match, and then I lost those friends. People are crazy. Now, I'm going to tell you all this. I'm only as good as my last sermon. I can actually, and I'm going to say this to you all, I can preach a year of perfect sermons. And you let me get up and screw one up. And there will be 30 people leave this church. Now, Christians are crazy. And they're insecure. And they want to go to the church that looks like it's big, even though they didn't do a thing to make it that way. I'm preaching pretty good now. So you're going to have to get to the place where you cast your cares on the Lord and go, Father God, I'm just obeying you, and that's the end of that. You, you've got to understand that if God accepted you and he called you, he anointed you, he gave you a job to do, and that really is nobody else's business. And you've got to be content in your skin. Are you listening to me? You've got to be content where he called you and what he asked you to do. You don't know your importance and you won't know it until you go to heaven. 
Now, what part of your body are you ready to cut off? You like all of it? God likes all of his too. I'm doing pretty good, aren't I, Mike? All right. Go to Romans 8. Hallelujah. This is another one of those scriptures you've got to memorize it. You've got to memorize this. Verse 31, what can I say to all these things? If God is for me, who can be against me? If he likes me, you might want to leave me alone. He who did not spare his own son delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give you all things? Who is going to bring a charge against God's elect? Say me. It was God who justified you, made you righteous. Who is he that's condemning you? It was Christ who died and furthermore rose and sitted at the right hand of God interceding for you. Where is your value? What value did God place on you? His son. That's pretty big price tag for a human being. How dare you and I despise another human that Jesus paid such a price for? That's the reason why you don't want to run around with unforgiveness. Because even though they are acting ugly, God still loves them. You need to quit. You're not God. So when someone's ugly to me, I go home now and pray for them because that is somebody my father loves. And that's the way I want people to treat me when I do something stupid, which I promise you I will do. If you don't think so, you haven't been coming here long. And if you're married, it only takes about a week to find out you have married someone very imperfect. Oh, my God, what did I just do? All right. Who is there that's condemning you? Now, there's two people condemning you. One of them is the devil, and the other one is usually yourself. Most people are hard own themselves because you have a standard for yourself that's very high. And then when you have a high standard for yourself, you have a high standard for your spouse. And then you become very critical. You didn't do that right. You didn't do that right. You didn't do that right. And that's followed by shut up. (laughs) And all of that is stemming from insecurity. Boy, this is good preaching. Once you realize that you are not married to that person to be their God, you are to look for the good in them. You are to rejoice in the good in them. You are to be the best you can be and then be quiet and let God take care of them. This is good preaching, y'all. You just, I'm going to tell you something. Lisa's very much like her mom, very strong-willed. When I married her, I went, excuse me? There's only one head of this home? She says, it's me. And so, you know. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you something. I had a time with her for a while. She's such a perfectionist. And I'm going to tell you about a date, and I've told it before, and she knows I've told this. But I planned a romantic evening one night. I had it all planned. I got dinner reservations, I got a movie, I had it, I had a gift, flowers, you name it. On the way to the restaurant, she wanted to stop by the cleaners for a minute. Liar, liar, pants on fire. She came out of there 15 minutes later because she had to explain to him how to hem her pants. And then she needed to run into Walmart and pick up two things for a minute. Oh, no, she didn't take a minute. Excuse me. It was no way. There was no 60 seconds anywhere in this. I didn't see her for over half an hour. Well, the dinner reservations are gone. And I let her know that on the way to the restaurant. You screwed up the evening. Well, I only had one time to come into town. Excuse me. What's wrong with your attitude, sir? And by then, listen, by the time we got to the restaurant, it was very quiet. 
And I said, in the movie, it started already. When we got home, romance, I'm on the couch, brother. You talking about romance, I'm not even in the bed. Where I mean, I mean, I'm all by myself for the next three days. Because I let her know I didn't appreciate her screwing up my romantic evening. And she let me know. It's been a long time ago. Boy, what is it? I mean, we got some things to learn. So after that night, I looked at her and I said, I don't have any reservations. We're going to wait in line. You want to go to Walmart? Go in for a minute. I'll see you in an hour. I took a book. You just have to learn to get married and stay married. You just have to understand. My wife, a moment doesn't mean 60 seconds. If you're a pilot, 60 seconds is 59. You understand that? They want to know, what's your ETA? You're going to give it to them down to the second, buddy. And I want my wife to give me her ETA right down to the second, but she didn't take flying lessons. You know, growing up, at, growing up in a Marine Corps family, that didn't help either. Because, I mean, buddy, it was, it was, strict, it was strict. I mean, you did it by the book, baby. I asked my dad one time, I said, he's asked me where a road was, and I told him, like, Orange Blossom Trail. And he says, uh, he said, there's no such thing as Orange Blossom Trail. I said, I happen to know there is. He said, there is not. He said, give me the number or don't tell me anything. I won't. And I'm thinking, Dad, suck it up and get over it. But he's so Marine Corps, it's 441. Am I the only one in this room tonight, y'all? Okay. So the, the, the one that condemns us the most is usually ourself. We usually have a standard that we keep for ourselves, And sometimes it is too high. You haven't left any room for you to mess up. I'm going to ask y'all a question. Have y'all ever... Stayed home one day, did nothing, and felt guilty. I am talking to the right crowd. Do you know what that is? That's perfectionism. You've never learned to relax a day in your life. It is so hard when you live. I mean, mean, who was it? The guy from Africa says, you have watches and no time, and we have time and no watches. You go to Jamaica, it's whenever, you know. You come here, it's by God on time, buddy. So, so just learning to relax and lighten up on yourself might be one of the hardest things some of y'all do. Because you're strict. I didn't pray but an hour today. I'm backslidden. Others are going, I must really be backslidden. I haven't prayed an hour in a month. I'm glad y'all enjoying this. And you know what? The only thing that matters to God is your faith in Jesus. He's accepted you because of the blood. And all of, all of your life comes out of that love. And we're going to get to it in a minute. Is that clock right? Okay. A lying thing. All right. Who's going to bring a charge against us? It's God who made us righteous. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ who died, furthermore rose, and is at the right hand of God making intercession. Who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. As it is written, for your sake we're killed all day long, counted sheep for slaughter. No. In all of these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. All right. Isaiah 54, 17. I've got a few scriptures to read to you. Is this okay, guys? I kind of thought you guys might like this. Since I was taking all these notes anyway, I thought I ought to preach it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn it. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Let me look at another one real quick. I'm going to show you the one that I, the Lord finally, this was the scripture that he finally got my attention and got me to quit picking on people. 
other than Jeannie Bowser. All right, listen to this. Listen to this. Because every time somebody criticized me, I always felt like I needed to straighten them out and set them straight. Am I the only one in here that ever said, no, you ain't saying that to me. We're going to have a little talk. That's a lie. Just make you mad. Now, listen to this. This one was tough. Who Jesus, verse 22. No, let's verse 21. Look. To this, for since you were called, um, to this you were called because Christ suffered for us. He left an example that you would follow in his steps. Who committed no sin nor deceit was found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. All right, and this is what that means. Somebody has done you wrong and you feel like singing the song. If it hadn't happened this week, it'd wait till next week. You know what God wants you to do about it? Go look at him and say, Heavenly Father, I don't know why they did that, but I'm not taking it personal, but I'm going to give it to you. Amen. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not getting in the middle of this again in the name of Jesus. And I'm just going to leave it alone. Now, this is what he means when he says, love your enemies. Why? Because that person's not really your enemy. That person has a really messed up life. And they need acceptance. And you're going to give it to them. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are too. Now, let me say something real quick. There's a difference in acceptance and correction. The world today cannot handle correction because they, they think that you're rejecting them. There still needs to be correction. You've got to correct your kids, but you cannot reject your children. I'm going to take you out and put you in the trash can and I'll let the garbage man have you, and I don't ever want to see your ugly face again. That's rejection. You come in the bedroom, I'm going to whip your backside, and then we're going to sit down and we're going to pray about it. And then you're going to repent and ask God to forgive you because, son, what you did was wrong. You are not going to say that in this house. Now, there's things. Rebellion, I always spanked the kids for rebellion. And then when they got finished, after they got disciplined and we came out, I looked at the other boys and I said, this is done. You don't bring it up again. And then there was acceptance and love, and that's under the blood. The other brothers aren't going, nana, 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 because I'll carry you in the back room now. I'll whip you too. Are y'all out there? So in the workplace and in church, if you get corrected, don't take it personal. Well, they just rejected me. No, we rejected your idea. Now, let me tell you something about people. Everybody, you're around people, and, they, and we all have different ideas. So that means you're not the only one right. I know you think you are. It's my way or the highway. I used to use that when I was a construction boss. I said, it's my way or the highway. Hit the road, Jack. We're on this job, and we're doing it the way I say. Now, you can go. When you go home, you be the boss. But when you work for me, I'm the boss. Because at work, you do need to do it the way the, the, the blueprint says we're building this house. All right. So I found out that there's a lot of people can't handle correction. The Bible says in Proverbs 12:1, pop that on the screen. It says, if he who can't receive correction is stupid. You're never going to grow if you don't get corrected. And correction does not mean that some person is rejecting you. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. He who hates correction is stupid. So there is correction. There is correction in the home and in the marriage, but there's a right way to do it. And we're not talking about that tonight, but there is. That's marriage tonight, and we'll have to get You have to come back for that. There is a right way to look at a person and don't, don't bash them. Or their mother. When you're losing the fight, it becomes about the mother-in-law. That's a sure sign you've lost the fight and hadn't given up. You're like your mama. You know that. 
you ain't gotten a fight yet until you bring the mother into it. And then it's getting rough. The seas are going to whip this boat. All right, so having said all that, everybody loves me. All right. Psalm 27:10. Go there. I got a bunch of stuff that I want to read, but I will pop it on the screen. I'm gonna I'm gonna read something to you that I wrote. It's been a while. It's been a while since I wrote this. I don't ever preach this stuff when it's happening to me because there's always the person who did it in the room. <laughs> you got to wait for a long time before you preach some things. <laughs> Psalm 27:10. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me in. Folks, you got there, there's people their family has I mean, they they just came out of a rough rough situation. That does not mean there's something wrong with you. Very often when kids parents go through divorce, the kids live their life thinking my mom and dad will still be together today if it weren't for me. It's easy for kids to start taking the blame for what happened in the home. And that's why you got to love the kids unconditionally. I'm going to read something I wrote. It's, it's, been, it's been a while. Uh, but I wrote this one day as the Holy Ghost was ministering to me. He said, I will never allow other people's opinion to control me. They did not make me. They did not save me. They did not call me. And they did not anoint me. They are not the authority in my life. I will never defend myself. I do not owe them an explanation. I will not allow them to steal my joy. God, my Father, is my one and only judge. If he has a problem with me, he can correct me. He sets my value. If I make a mistake, it is only a mistake. It does not define me. Now, this is something. Um, who was it wrote the book, Falling Forward? Failing Forward, John Maxwell. Did you know that you will mess up sometimes two to three times more than you'll do it right in life? All of us do. And one of the hardest things is that we look at ourselves and we get real, I struck out. Big deal. Babe Ruth struck out more than he hit. Learning that helps you. You doing it wrong does not define you. I do a lot of things I try and they don't work. I just try again. But a lot of people, they can't handle because they think, what do people think of me? Quite frankly, it don't matter. Let me ask you a question. When other people are standing up here, like kids, you're wanting them to do good. But they're embarrassed because they're afraid they're going to make a mistake. And we're rooting for them. We're proud that they got up there. Let me tell you something about you. Most people are proud of you. Most people, you get up in front of a church and do something, even if you don't do it well, most of the people around here in this church are rooting for you. And we see your failures. That's one of the things you've got to accept. If you see someone making a mistake, it's not defining them. Hush. They know they screwed up. Shut up. I'm talking to wives. You saw you did it wrong. I know I did it wrong. Shut up. I'll put you out. Let's get out of the car, you know. Why do we feel like we've got to help everybody see all the mistakes they've made? Are you serious? You want to get a ledger? You'll be here all day writing down my mistakes. But listen, this is, this is you, you, you've got to get this, guys. Number one, lighten up on yourself and lighten up on everybody around you. Leave them alone because they're going to get discouraged and quit. I'm going to tell you something that happens to men. They start off wanting to be a good husband. And by the time they turn 50, they're bums because their wife has nagged them into hell. 
They, they don't want to do anything. Who wants to do anything? I mean, my God, you got a list a mile long. I'm going to sit on and watch TV all day. And I'm, we need to get into marriage right now, don't we? Just, you, can, you cannot constantly walking around berating everybody with your mouth. If they messed up, the Bible says love hardly noticed it. Walk around and say, I hardly noticed that. I hardly noticed that. I hardly noticed that. And you might have to train yourself to hardly notice that they did it wrong. How many of y'all, when you do it wrong, you know, you know you did it wrong? Do you really want someone to come along? Yeah, I saw you do that wrong. I know I did it wrong. Shut up. I'm preaching pretty good now. I think sometimes you need to lighten up on yourself more than you do your own spouse. Because you remember your failures all week. I did it wrong. Well, really? Oh, I got four minutes. God sets my value. If I make a mistake, it's only a mistake and it doesn't define me. Ephesians 2.10, I am his workmanship. He made me. If he's got a problem with the product, that's his business. I have a brain. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 2.16, I have his approval. I have his grace. I have his favor, and I am accepted in the beloved. I will never retaliate at criticism, for if I do, I allow them to control me. I like approval, but I do not have to have it. People who don't like me are not my enemy. They're their own. It cannot be, they, I cannot become my own enemy. Now, perfect love drives out fear. All right, let me, let me read this to you. 1 John 4, 17. This is the answer. I got a bunch of other stuff here that I never did get to go over. 1 John 4, 17. Is this helping? Did anybody like my little sermonette tonight? You're like, I'd like for you to preach this again. I probably will. This is another scripture that God used on me because I went through a time, uh, and Lisa will tell you, that, you know, I, I had always obeyed God to the nth degree. And then one day, I just didn't do what he said. I know I'm the only one in here that ever did that. You know, I beat myself because all hell broke loose, and I beat myself for one solid year because it cost us a lot of money. I beat myself. I was not happy to be around. I wasn't fun to be around. But nobody knew the reason why. Again, correction. This is the scripture God gave me. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. Look at 18. There is no fear in love. Perfect love, that's not my perfect love. That's God's perfect love. When, when I, I'll tell you who said it. It was Joyce Myers that made the statement one day and I heard her say it. She said, God told me to just get aside and let me love you for a year. You quit doing anything. You just let me love you. In other words, quit trying to do things to get my God's approval. If you bomb, you bombed. Peter bombed. Paul bombed. Moses bombed. David bombed. Join the ranks. All right. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So fear really comes because you're not rooted in the love that God has for us has no conditions on it. We call it unconditional love. But there's no conditions. He's not, I love you, if. Hear that in there. Now, we want to do right, but you know now you're you're not going to do everything right. You're just not going to. So when you make a mistake, you think that God is mad at you as you are yourself. And he's not. And you think he's as mad at you as your spouse is mad at you. Or your dad or your mom or people. Right now in America, people are mad. I mean, everybody you meet is mad. You can't go somewhere without, we're going to kill you. We're going to take the guns because if you don't, they kill people. We're going to kill you. 
And I'm going, with what? A gun. Where are you going to get it? I'm going to steal yours. Okay. And I'm thinking, people are crazy. There's only one way to handle this. you got to give this to God. The world we live in, it's crazy. It's crazy. Does God love you? Is he going to take care of you? All right. Now, this, this, God loving you, you, remember Sunday morning I talked about you got to learn to masticate the word? This is the stuff I'm talking about. Because you didn't get this tonight because I preached it. You're going to get this as you take these scriptures over and over and you, you loop these things in. You get this in your brain. You start reading, I'm accepted in the beloved. He called me. He chose me. I'm his workmanship created in Christ. If God is for me. And I mean, you may have to read those 100, 2, 3, 400 times to get over all of the, the junk that's happened to you by bad people in your life. Hurting people. And many of us have been hurt by people who were hurting. Now, that's where forgiveness comes in. You're not going to go through life without forgiving. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they didn't. And the people who have done you wrong, I want you to just give it to God and say, Heavenly Father, if they, if they really knew what they were doing, I don't think they'd be doing this. But I'm not taking this personally. I'm not taking all of the accusations. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he is going to put stuff in your head. And you're going to have to get them out. Not that you are working for it. But because, because of the blood. Now, are you going to become better? Yeah. But you cannot walk with God under condemnation. I said this one time, and I don't, I don't want y'all to take me up on it. But if I, if I went out of here one night and got drunk, I slapped drunk, I'd come to church the next day. Oh, you hypocrite. No, no, no. That's the very place I need. I'm not, you're not going to beat condemnation with condemnation. You can't condemn yourself into right behavior. Well, I was good. I was just. You cannot beat yourself and make yourself better. You're going to have to love yourself better. If God loves me, if he's accepted me, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you, there's, now God can work. So let me ask you all a question. How many of you all are ready to get over some rejection? I'm not done. I still got all kinds of stuff. Anyway, let me show you a book. I was going to read a couple of things out of it tonight. I didn't actually get my sermon out of this, even though you think I stole it all from Joyce. I did not. I didn't get anything out of this book that I preached tonight. This is a good book. And she talks about how she went through this. And there's some areas here where she talks about perfectionism. People who are perfectionists, it's, it's all about uh, if I'm perfect, you can't reject me. That's really the root of that. Um, there's all kinds of stuff she went through where her and... Her husband had fights all the time, and it, it didn't relate to me at all. <laughs> I was just glad I didn't marry Joyce Myers, you know, when I got through. I'm glad I didn't marry you, Joyce. All right. Uh, I'm glad I got a good one. But, um, but get books like this and read them over and over, and, 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 let, and let the Word of God start helping you with your soul. Does this help? Did anybody? I preached this whole sermon tonight just for one person. And everybody's going, it was me, it was me. I'm teasing, y'all. Father God, thank you. The word is so rich, Father. It is so full that I was glad that I was able to at one time in my life to finally share some of this stuff that I went through at one time. And uh, I'd like to believe that I'm 100% over it, but something tells me that I'll be working on a little bit of this the rest of my life. All of us will. Father God, I pray that we said some things tonight and begin to help. You said we would know the truth, and the truth set us free. And I pray, Father God, that there's people walking out here tonight going, I got free. Freedom began that Wednesday night I walked into church. And I started hearing what God thinks about me and what to do with the rejection I've gone through. Father, there's people in this room right now that have been through, can I say it, 
hell on earth. I ask you, sir, in the name of Jesus, for the word of God tonight, to begin to bring a healing in their soul as they begin to meditate on how much you've accepted them and how they begin to reject all of the stuff that's happened to them. It does not define them. It is not what makes them. They're not junk. You made them and you made them perfect. And I ask you, sir, that we would begin tonight to accept ourselves the way you see us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.